following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. Your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. Here's a little uh, Clint Eastwood. Two can dig a lot quicker than one. Dig. Been kind of on a Clint Eastwood jag here lately. You're not digging? Shoot me, you won't see a cent of that money. Why? I'll tell you why. Because there's nothing in there. <laughs> you thought I'd trust you? Well, you all get the picture. A lot of money. Potted down. We're going to have to earn it. That's from uh, The Good, Bad, and the Ugly. I love that movie. That's, that's one of my all-time favorite. That, and for Clint Eastwood movies, that and Unforgiven. Yeah. Unforgiven's a great movie, too. I've not seen that one. It's, it's uh, Gene Hackman is yeah. the, the, the sheriff, the town sheriff. Oh, it's one of the best like climaxes to a movie ever it's just it's great yeah so welcome to the tom yeah, dupree show joining joining us see that one. are adarsh meshru mike johnson and our host tom dupree yes we've got, got some stories here lots of things on his mind the golden rule from a golden fool the yellow metal has been white hot this year but those who rush to buy it could still end up in the red gents what say ye well, so uh, gold, I think uh, this morning it touched uh, 1900 when I last saw it. was close to 1900 an ounce, yeah. which is uh, close to its all-time high. It was there last in uh, 2011, so it's been nine years since uh, it's been there. And if you recall, in 2011, probably started late 2010, early 2011. This was just two years after the financial crisis. There was a big uh you know, uh, almost a euphoria about gold. There were a lot of people on the radio talking about gold. You know, uh, yeah. there were people on CNBC, people like Peter Schiff. Uh, so there was a lot of interest in gold. And then gold did rally from about 770. That's where it bottomed uh, in 2009 all the way to 1900. So that was a big $1,200 rally. Uh, almost uh, more than doubled. Uh, and then we saw an eight-year period uh, until about the middle of last year 
where gold just went nowhere. In fact, first it went down and then it went sideways for a long time. And since about the middle of last year, gold's been going up again. So it's not right. something recent that's, you know, even though people related to the coronavirus, I've been watching it go up since about June or July of last year. Uh, and here lately, silver has been catching up. Uh, but every time gold goes up, you know, there's always a reason. They either talk about inflation, they talk about some sort of a geopolitical event. Yeah. Here lately, they've been talking about coronavirus. So there are different reasons attributed to what makes gold go up or down. Uh, but I think the point of this article is that even though gold may have been going up and you know the news will give you reasons for why you should own it, it does not always make a good investment. In fact, you can't even call it an investment in the sense that it does not earn right. any, anything. It does not generate cash flow. Uh, so just because it's gold does not mean it'll always go up. You know, it could go down. And I, I think that was the main point. Yeah, uh, uh, this this is amazing to me. Uh, he goes on, because it's normally, uh, you think that gold's a hedge against inflation. But since 1980, uh, gold's returned an average of minus 0.4% annually um, versus stocks, which have averaged about almost 8%, 7.9%. Um, and according to this, gold would still have to rise approximately 52% uh, to match the level that it was at in, in 1980. Um, so it's, it's inflation a, adjusted inflation mean? adjusted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it's people buy it. It's a speculative uh, position. Uh, it's not an investment. Like you said, Adarsh, it, speculation. I mean, the idea is that it's a currency, and that's been promulgated that it's um, an inflation-proof currency as compared to the U.S. dollar, which is not. But same thing was happening with uh, Bitcoin. Um, it was being, you know, touted as a currency and to be able to be used in certain kinds of transactions – um, but then the speculators get in there and they drive the price of it up and treat it as if it were an investment. Right, that's true. So they've done studies and over very long periods of time, uh, gold does tend to retain its value when you price it versus other commodities. So an ounce of gold versus, you know, what, how many bushels of wheat it can buy or how many barrels of oil it can buy. So over long periods of time, it does tend to do better than uh any currency, not just the dollar. In fact, there are currencies which have fed way worse than gold. Um, now, as far as its performance, you know, Jason Zweig, Zweig, he's being very selective, you know, because he looks at the year 1980, which is when gold prices peaked. There was actually a bubble that peaked at 850. There was a big rally in the late 70s. But if you look at what gold has done since the year 2000, when there was a stock market bubble and gold prices bottomed, gold in the last 20 years has actually outperformed stocks. Yeah. So it depends on which period you look at. If you look at it just this year, gold is up over 25% just this year, whereas the stock market is negative. Um, so it all depends on, on the period that you look at. It does seem that there are certain periods when there is either, you know, geopolitical uncertainty or here lately since the financial crisis, there has been 
worries about what will happen to the dollar or how you know central banks intervention or increasing deficits will impact the currency at some point um at the same time interest rates have gone down quite a bit um and you could argue that perhaps all this may lead to inflation in the future so there are certain uh, worries about that but it, gold is it's got its use and it's very specific to the situation so if you were in say if you were trying to escape germany you know uh, during world war 2 it made sense to own gold because it was the best way you could transfer your wealth you know um yeah i've told you all this story um uh, i don't know if it's true or not but there was evidently a, a wealthy jewish man in germany in the late 30s who there came a point where um they would not allow you to take any of your financial assets with you if you left you just left and uh he uh he bought some bonds that he could make a record of that had a paying agent in new york city a registrar also there and then he destroyed the bonds made uh you know came to new york with the record of the bonds that he had destroyed and had the bank reissue them mm. so he, he that's how he got his money out of germany right i mean it's 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 a little vignette that i've heard in financial circles before but mhm doesn't pertain to gold but it pertains to getting money out of a repressive that's thinking on your feet right there absolutely Abs- right. Th- yeah. that's thinking yeah and and it's taking a huge risk he you know you destroy those bonds hoping they'll be reissued when you get to new york right. which they were right the gold let's say you you buy gold at 1900 today um and at any point i mean you, you go back a few years you know you're going to have volatility just like you do in any investment you're going to have volatility but how do you value gold i mean gold is what it's worth so if you invest if you buy gold at 1900 and it goes to 1000 an ounce how can you say well it's at 1000 it's cheap cuz it, it it gold is what it is so how do you value gold versus a company where you can say okay if the stock goes from 30 to 20 there there's something there that you can actually measure and get a valuation gold is just it it is well the dollar's the same way it, it gold gold is set in a sense by fiat pricing uh it's what people are willing to pay for same thing with dollars you know you you look at a company that's got quote earnings mm-hmm. um those are those are dollars that are issued by the federal reserve you know um right. everything is got a little bit of suspension of disbelief sure in pricing it right that's yeah that, that that's true so you know unlike uh, a stock uh, or a company uh, that actually does something uh gold cannot be valued in those terms so th- i i think the best way to look at it is just it is an asset it's not uh an income generating asset it's not a financial asset it's a hard asset physical asset it's a physical asset and perhaps it it has a role in a portfolio a small role perhaps 
where there are periods where it does tend to act as insurance where you know and say something crazy happens sometimes you know gold does tend to do well so you ha- also have to look at it over a very long period of time you know if you look at it in over a 10 year period or a 20 year period it may have done nothing mm-hmm. but um, over a 50 60 year period perhaps you know it does play a role in certain situations right if you look if you view it as insurance and not as a, a speculative vehicle or a trading vehicle absolutely and i remember back in 2011 there were people who wanted to put all their uh, investments in gold yes um and that that is dangerous and sure enough that was when gold prices peaked and 9 years later we are still we are almost back to it but not i remember in the 80 when widows were going out and putting it was $800 an ounce back then yeah right and uh people were going out and buying gold well and part of it today with interest rates or you know your your money is paying you nothing so yeah. people view it as my opportunity cost of owning something that doesn't pay a dividend much less than it was when when interest rates were at, when you could actually earn something on cash right. there was an opportunity cost to owning gold right. rather than just the price of that's gold right. that's right yeah that's that's a good point yes and it also did uh well during the great depression when there was deflation so it wasn't just an inflationary period uh between 1929 and 1932 gold not only retained its value uh but uh, it you know um it was a good asset to be in relative to stocks or uh uh you know any other commodity okay for some stocks bad news is now good news by Karen Langley what's going on with that this is interesting um it looks at different sectors of the market um it looks at the beta uh in 2019 which is a measurement of volatility yeah. uh, how much it moves compared to the S&P 500 um the beta of 19 versus the beta uh during the pandemic and what you've seen you've seen sectors kind of flip upside down yeah. um so like for example uh consumer staples utilities and real estate which prior to covid uh were had much lower betas low low beta so low volatility yeah. and you and then other sectors that were higher volatility were your pharmaceuticals your work from home uh companies technology those historically have had higher beta so more volatility with the expectation of higher returns in the future but what's happened in the last few months uh consumer staples have had volatility or their their beta increase utilities have drastically increased their beta uh the let me find the exact amount here Yeah, by so, beta we mean volatility, volatility. Uh, changeability of price. Yeah, so utilities uh prior to COVID had a beta of 0.27 in 2019. Uh that now has a beta of 1.05. Um and same same thing with real estate. So these these certain sectors that have historically been safe havens if you will, you've had all this volatility move in. um which it recently has meant underperformance yeah. uh volatility on the downside um 
And what you would expect over time is naturally to have a reversion to the mean where you have the the beta of the more aggressive sectors, be it technology, pharmaceuticals, that you would have those move more in the direction they have in the past, which would be more volatility. Uh, and then the, the defensive things actually start to normalize, which bodes well for our clients and the portfolios in more in the value sectors uh, because you typically will have a reversion to the mean. We've seen it. It's too early to tell if it's a trend, but you have been seeing that, especially in the last week and a half, two weeks, where you've seen value outperform tech. Um, And and that's just just the natural course of things. Um, When when we're investing money for clients and when, when clients come in, we always stress to take a step back and take a look at big picture, you know, right. you know, like right now you're looking at three month, four month time frame where a certain asset class has done this versus another asset class that has done something else. And is that the norm or is this an abnormal period right now? This is not the norm where you yeah. have the safe havens that have drastically underperformed. That's not the norm. Yeah. And so you have to step back, look at things in perspective from, you know, big picture time horizon. And that's how you come up with a long-term investment approach. It's not getting, tr- trying to play catch up or trying to get on whatever hot trend is going right now. Um, that's, that's what we've been trying to be very careful with, you know, not chase certain sectors, um, adhere to value investing, you know, areas that are appropriate hit from a historical standpoint that are appropriate for retirees or people going into retirement where there's a discernible cash flow, uh, from the, uh, investment that will probably continue. Right, right. They, uh, they, they, just to throw some of these names out, which is just, it's just interesting. And you would expect it based on the performance, um, companies that have had their betas drastically reduced have been Amazon, Alphabet, Facebook, Apple, Microsoft. Um, and ones that have had their, uh, betas increase have been the utilities, Starbucks, obviously the airlines, uh, cruise lines, those are the ones that have, those especially have been fundamentally impaired, the airlines right. and the cruise lines. Uh, but yeah. but other sectors, you have to scratch your head and say, okay, is this, are utilities fundamentally impaired right. from where they have been in the past? I mean, they have issues to overcome right now. Right. But is this something that's going to continue for a long period of time? I don't believe so. Don't believe that's the case. Yeah. I I would tend to agree. You know, that there is no doubt that there is a, a paradigm shift. You know, in investing, and that paradigm shift is that we are not going to do things the same way that we have been doing, even if the coronavirus goes away. Which means that certain industries will benefit. You know, so something like Zoom is probably here to stay. Yeah. Uh, or something like. Uh, 
I don't know, uh, teledoc, which is, uh, you know, you see your doctor over face-to-face instead of actually going and paying a visit. Not, not that that's going to be the only thing that will be done, but there will be perhaps, you know, an increasing way that people visit doctors. Uh, same with electric cars or self-driving cars. So these trends are going to shift. And imagine if, if more and more business meetings are done over Zoom. That means airlines will permanently, well, permanently is too strong a word, but for the foreseeable future, not fill as many seats because, you know, I may not travel to Nashville for a meeting. I may just do it over Zoom, yeah. um, at least over the foreseeable future. And perhaps even beyond that, as these become more entrenched, you know, it may be something that people are not used to doing right now, but after a year, they may say that, okay, let's just do it this way instead of, you know, actually traveling. So certain industries and even with utilities, you know, there perhaps won't be as much use, you know, if, as more people work from home or travel less. Um, and at the same time, prior to uh, the coronavirus, uh, you know, which was perhaps a watershed moment, you know, when it came to, uh, uh, you know, how some of these companies acted, interest rates were dropping and utilities, you could argue, had become overvalued to some extent, you know, and now there's a reversion to the mean happening there too. Mm-hmm. All right, that takes us to the bottom of the hour where we need to take a break. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show with the Darsh Meshru, Mike Johnson, and Tom Dupree coming to you from the Dupree Financial Group Studios on Main Street. We'll be back in just a few minutes. This summer. You guys ready for staycation? Think you're not going anywhere? Wrong. Yeah, no. The world is calling. California, Seattle, Texas, New York, Chicago, Chicago. Washington. And we'll take you there at the top end 30 minutes past the hour. So many shootings. The violence. Without our police. Reopening the economy. Cases continue to spike. Kids back to school. Hopefully a vaccine. On air, online, 24-7. Your free round-trip tickets. The world is changing. Is News Radio 630 WLAP. We live in uncertain times. It is not uncommon for investors to be fearful about the equity markets and what they may or may not do. At Dupree Financial Group, we are here to act as a sounding board for our clients and prospects as they seek to develop understanding of how to proceed with their investments. Since we are in uncharted waters, our efforts are to educate, guide, and empower our clients. Despite the unique nature of today's investment climate, there are parallels with past markets that can be drawn. We can share some of these ideas with you. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, call the Prefinancial Group at 859-233-0400. And be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's the Prefinancial Group at 859-233-0400. The Daily Zeitgeist is a podcast from the world's smartest and funniest comics and writers. It gets you caught up on the news without grinding you down. There's so many like simultaneous threads of history that I feel like are coming together at once that I'm like, which one am I going to Yeah, let's live through all the history at once. It sounds like a TikTok challenge. <laughs> live through all the history at once challenge. Twice a day, they tell you everything you need to know about American culture without crushing your soul. Listen to The Daily Zeitgeist on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's Tony Vanetti from The Tony and Dwight Show. 
As Kentuckians, we're getting back on the road, and traffic is increasing. Law enforcement's going to be out this summer during the Blue Lights Across the Bluegrass campaign. The goal always is not to write tickets, but to save lives. So let's do our part. Obey the speed limit. Drive sober. Buckle up and put your phone down. Spare yourself a ticket and possibly a life. Be safe, Kentucky. A message for the Kentucky Office of Highway Safety. Everyone is talking about David Horowitz's new book, Blitz. It's a number one Amazon bestseller and just hit the New York Times bestseller list. Blitz reveals the truth about Trump. Don Jr. and Mike Huckabee say you need to get Blitz. And follow David Horowitz every night on Newsmax TV, America's fastest growing cable TV channel. Get the new bestseller, Blitz, at bookstores or get the free offer and save $28. Call 800-NEWSMAX or go to blitz411.com. That's Blitz411.com. This is the Kentucky News Network. A protest in Louisville Friday leads to nearly 80 arrests. A Louisville Metro Police spokesman says that many of the 76 were charged with obstructing a highway and disorderly conduct. A few picked up assault charges after throwing bottles at police. The group had barricaded Market Street in the near downtown area with tables and a trampoline calling for the firing of the three officers involved in the shooting death of Breonna Taylor in March. A group is expected to be in town calling themselves the NFAC led by Grandmaster Jay. They've demanded a meeting with Attorney General Daniel Cameron, who is handling the investigation. Will Clark reporting. Governor Andy Bashir said Friday Kentucky is extending its contract with Ernst & Young, who has been helping process more than 56,000 unemployment claims under its original contract with the state. The governor also announcing 797 new COVID-19 cases and seven new deaths. I'm Sean Gallagher. This is the Kentucky News Network. Final weekend of July is off and running on a seasonally summery note out there. Temperatures into the upper 80s to around 90 with a small chance for an isolated shower thunderstorm. That same forecast is going to play it out again on Sunday. Again, near 90 degrees for a high near 90 with a cold front diving into town late Monday with an increase in thunderstorms. It'll get better for temperatures middle of next week. From the WKYT First Alert Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Chris Bailey. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP and iHeart Radio Station. Join KSR all summer long for the Blue Lights Across the Bluegrass County by County Virtual Tour. Get fun facts and hear callers from each county all summer long on Kentucky Sports Radio. Brought to you by the Kentucky Office of Highway Safety and News Radio 630 WLAP. Are you on the hunt for a new job? Head on over to WLAP.com and check out the iHeart Virtual Community Job Fair presented by GE Appliances. Don't miss the opportunity to reach local employers hiring right now without having to leave your home. Find jobs right now at WLAP.com. I'm Steve Drury, Senior Pastor of the Trinity Hill United Methodist Church located at the corner of Tate's Creek and Armstrong Mill Roads. I once had someone ask me, do you believe God will give me a second chance? The question surprised me. Yes, I answered, but God's grace doesn't have anything to do with numbers. If we sincerely want forgiveness and seek His love, His mercy and grace are always there for us. God gives second chances, third, fourth, and so on. Those of us who have found forgiveness over and over again know He is more about mercy than judgment. He doesn't give up on us even when we have given up on Him. Many of you listening today find yourself starting over in lots of different ways. Be sure and allow God to give you a new beginning as well. He wants to walk with you through your new beginnings. We would love to have you start all over again with us at Trinity Hill. 
I hope you will come and worship with us this Sunday. We live in uncertain times. It is not uncommon for investors to be fearful about the equity markets and what they may or may not do. At Dupree Financial Group, we are here to act as a sounding board for our clients and prospects as they seek to develop understanding of how to proceed with their investments. Since we are in uncharted waters, our efforts are to educate, guide, and empower our clients. Despite the unique nature of today's investment climate, there are parallels with past markets that can be drawn. We can share some of these ideas with you. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, call the Prefinancial Group at 859-233-0400. And be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's the Prefinancial Group at 859-233-0400. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. Here's a little blast from the past. And... Uh... One day last summer, he asked me to write a song about Frank Lloyd Wright. So I, I didn't know anything about Frank Lloyd Wright. Nonetheless, I didn't let that deter me from writing a song about Frank Lloyd Wright. So This is uh, Simon and Garfunkel from the late 60s. And Paul Simon, of course, incredible songwriter. Ian Art Garfunkel. All right, I'm getting strange looks from my wife. (laughs) It's something you're used to by now. Back on uh, our subject matter here, how investors can keep their political biases from hurting their portfolio. I'm going to read a little bit of this. During every presidential election, I hear the same rhetoric from friends and clients. If so-and-so wins, I'm selling everything and moving to cash. They will destroy the economy. People on both sides of the political spectrum make similar heated remarks. However, if history is any guide, basing financial decisions on political elections is the wrong approach. The market has been resilient over the long term, regardless of who and which party is in office. And it's important to remember that market returns are the result of many different factors. It's difficult to establish a direct connection between movements in stocks and the world of politics. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that or not, but uh, that's uh, that's what this guy's saying. Talking points. Talking points. This is Jonathan Schinkman. In, uh, he's, he's a financial advisor at Oppenheimer. Then he goes on to tell you what to do and uh, how to allocate your yeah yourself. The... The issue that I take from this primarily, you know, he's talking about timing the market, going all to cash, going all in in a certain sector or something. You're you're making what is a a political event, which 
not to take away from the importance of this election uh, by any stretch of the imagination, um, but making that event the basis of your whole portfolio, where you make a bet on one sector because you think this candidate's going to get elected and it's going to benefit that sector, yeah. or going all to cash because you think this candidate's going to get elected and the whole market's going to go down. Right. Um, you're you're making two bets by doing that. You're making a bet that first off you're right on the election results. Yep. And the second is that the market reacts the way you think will happen if those results happen. Well, I mean, we've seen people do that kind of stuff throughout our careers is you know, they they say if this happens it'll cause the market to do this. Right. And they're <laughs> almost always wrong. Uh Y2K was one uh you know, back in 1999, leading up to the year 2000, that was going to be the big event that made everything cease to work. Sure. And um, there have been other such proclamations. Uh, Hyperinflation from TARP. Yeah. You know, I mean, all of these different things. Um, because the the natural inclination is to you, you, you view things in a vacuum. Yeah. And there's thousands of factors that influence the market. Yes. And you might be correct in assuming that if this one factor happened, all else being equal, that would be the outcome. But you don't know what these other factors are going to be doing. Um, you know, you don't know COVID. I mean, you know, black swan events or um, certain, you know, technology, creative destruction, all these trends that will start that you don't see coming in conjunction with different political environments. Right. Um, so I, I and this is this is how we invest for our clients. And we you know, clearly we all have our political views, um, but I don't have any. No, I know you don't. Um, but. We don't base the portfolio on that. Um, we we take that into consideration. Oh, we did. <laughs> we we take it into consideration. Uh, we say you know, we, we, when we're analyzing a company or a sector, how could this event impact it? And yeah. if that does impact it, what would the the long term effect be? Would the sector be able to come through it or the company? Although, and this is getting off the subject a little bit, I would argue that political systems, uh, certain types of political systems can be more or less advantageous to wealth creation. And uh, if uh, there's an election that tilts us towards a different political system than the one we have now, you could argue that that might be disadvantageous. Sure, sure. Uh, it, it could be. Um, Although very few Western socialist governments are truly socialist. They, you know, uh, they're not Venezuela-style uh, socialists. Um, even Sweden right. is, is not purely socialist. I mean, no, it, it's really not at all. They, they say they are, and yet we went there two or three years ago, and it was really nice. Yeah, so they are what I think they call them democratic socialists. Uh, and really the difference between, say, a Sweden and a Venezuela is that in Sweden, uh, their form of socialism perhaps 
still allows for the private sector to function without yeah. not too many regulations. There are regulations, of course, but the government taxes more and provides certain services, whereas in a country like Venezuela, the government actually owns the means of production, so they'll own the bank or they'll own the coal mine or whatever. That's the way uh, England was and India was that way for, for quite a while. Right. Um, and there are certain industries in India that are still owned by the government, uh, although it's gradually moving away from it, but there are so many entrenched interests that it's a very, very slow process. Uh, and same in England prior to uh, Margaret Thatcher. Um, oh, they had, you know, they they owned, well, British Petroleum used to be owned by the government. Right. So, but I, I would agree with you if the system completely changed. So if the U.S. went from being, you know, the tax rates, you know, in the past we've seen higher and lower tax rates. The top tax bracket was much higher in the past. Those things don't seem to impact the market uh, and businesses as much as, you know, just a complete, you know, change in the system, which, you know, we still, you know, uh, haven't seen now, you know, uh, and I, I don't think that there will be a radical change either, you know, in the system here, the way it is, because there are so many uh, checks and balances that perhaps will prevent that. At least that's that's how I look at it. I, I certainly hope so. You know, Mike, one of the to sort of it's a little bit of a segue, but we talked about, um, I think, in the last week how many clients that you had had come in and talk to you about their concerns mm -hmm. with the political climate and how it would, they were really fearful if this happened, if that happened, if something else happened. And you were able to sort of talk them through our process and how we do guide them, guide right. clients through situations like this um, so that we're trying to um, – not to kind of we're we're keeping a calm water on the or trying to keep calm water so that it doesn't affect them as much right and it's it's from the portfolio construction the portfolio allocation um and and one other point in any political environment there's going to be some sectors that do better than others you know if you had you know, a blue wave happened. Um, probably uh, you'd have a lot more infrastructure spending, which yeah. would benefit certain companies. Right. And you'd have others that, you know, were quote unquote losers in the grand scheme of things. So us as investment managers, we have to be very careful not to make a bet based on that happening, but we take that in consideration. You know, we, we own some industrial companies. You know, we own some companies that make construction, heavy machinery equipment. Yeah. Um, so you have, even in a change in the, the political spectrum, you're going to have companies that are profitable. Um, you know, you, you look at some of these companies that have, on on the dividend side that have raised dividends for 50 years there's a lot of different political environments that they've been through and then so you, you back back to your your point elizabeth um you look at the individual holdings be it a stock or a fund why we own those things and then the overall allocation we have and the portfolio a good amount in bonds and cash 
um, for the very reason that you're probably going to have volatility this year because of the uncertainty. Um, and that gives us the ability to hopefully take advantage of some of those things. Um, so it's, it, it, you have to be diversified and you, you spread the risk out among different things. So you're not so concentrated in just one area of the market. Well, and that's also where it comes to, to doing research in-house and not turning it over to, you know, a, a big umbrella, so to speak. So you really don't know who's behind the controls and what angles they're looking at. Right. Yeah. I mean, in a, in a open-end fund, uh, a mutual fund that's, that's run by a manager that's not tracking a certain index, you could have political bias get in that. Um, and that's something that's really hard to detect, uh, cause you're always looking at it in the rearview mirror. Um, but you know, when we're building out the portfolio, we can fully explain to our clients why we have it in there. And that's bound to ease their concerns a little bit. Just the education, the guiding and the empowering. I hope so. <laughs> One would hope. <laughs> I was going to say the the stock market and uh, economics, you know, as a field, is this one of those fields where everyone has an opinion? Uh, perhaps this applies to other fields too. I don't know, but uh, you know, I'm, people may have medical opinions even though they are not uh, doctors. Um, so, in the same way, the stock market is something uh, where everyone I talk to, whether they have a formal training in it or you know they've been involved with it. They have an opinion, and th- that opinion is usually driven driven by emotions because the way we are taught to think is that there's a direct uh, correlation between event A and, you know, outcome in the market, which is not the case. You know, anyone who watches the market knows that an event happens and there's no direct correlation right. uh, in the market because the market is driven by so many things. Um, perhaps it's the media, you know, the day the, on a day when the market drops or – day when the market goes up, the media always has a reason for it. Yeah. People read that reason and think that, you know, because this happened, this happened. So when they say that, you know, the market went up on this. Well, we can be fairly certain that the coronavirus had a hand in making the market go down as low as it did in, in March. Right. But what made it go back up again? More buyers and sellers. I mean, you know, and that daggone coronavirus was still there. Right. It was it was actually getting worse. And the market turns right around and comes back up. And so there are times at which, you know, the market will do things that are utterly out of character with what you think it should do. Now, um, when oil had it's when were the days when oil went to zero uh, it was a monday i don't remember the exact yeah, it date was maybe march 20th or 21st it was close i think to it the was bottom. later than that no it was right around there no because no because it was march the market bottomed on uh the 23rd so it was probably it was, i think it first was second april. week of april yeah, yeah it was in april and it was a monday i mean yeah. i know it was a monday okay you look at that that was 
a, a really a one-off event, um, and it it pulled the market down. But that's the probably the most afraid I've ever been in my forty-two-year career about everything, because if oil was at zero, that meant the economy was at zero and how could any stocks have any value that that was what that's what i was thinking it just it looked like a big black hole that would suck the market in mm-hmm. into it and uh, yet um if you had had the courage and the insight to buy oil that day you'd have done quite well the oil stocks though strangely enough didn't go down as much as oil did right now, what's what's real strange? The oil stocks went up when that was happening, but now they've been coming back down. Yeah, when oil's at over forty. Yeah, um, and so the the market's making projections out right. currently, um, and some of that will be political. Uh, the market's pricing in some political events, um, but it, it's. Anytime you're dealing with a commodity, especially, um, you're kind of at the mercy of, in oil's case, OPEC and supply, demand. Uh, you're uh, really at the mercy of what the virus could do to the economy. Look at all those planes not flying or um, uh, cruise lines not going, you sure. know. Um, and you just – and I, I – uh, I take my hat off to the CEOs of the uh, big uh, airlines and cruise lines right now. It can't be easy. Right. You know, just for what they're going through. Yep. And it, <laughs> the the airlines seem to have something that happens to them every decade. Pretty much. Just, I mean, it, it's such a tough business. Very tough business. How long do the CEOs last for the airlines? Like the, say the CEO of Delta, how long has he been in his seat? Do they last through a decade or they go through one of those and say, whoa, I think I've had it. Well, uh, uh, Southwest had the same CEO for many years. Um, Even uh, Ryanair, this guy named uh, Michael, um, I forget his last name, but he's been the CEO for a long time. Yeah. Michael Ryan? Michael, no, uh, no. It, Michael Ryan started it, I guess. Yeah, yeah uh, he started it. Other guy. He's he's pretty eccentric. You know, he's in the news. I forget his name. Irish now. guy? Yep. But he turned the airline around, and he's been the CEO for uh, at least two decades or longer. Yeah, which one did Richard, Richard Branson? That's Virgin, 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 Virgin Atlantic. And they're doing okay, aren't they? Or? I mean, right now, I don't know if anyone's really doing okay, but they're some are in better shape than others. Yeah. Prepare to all right, we got a couple of minutes. Prepare to lose a bundle on stocks boosted by coronavirus vaccine. That's kinda obvious. You yeah, know, it, buy on the rumor, sell on the news. Yeah. Type thing. Well and it's it, it's it's been the hot trade. I mean, we were just talking about airlines. I mean, that's been the, the speculative trade, the the recovery trade, if you will. Yeah. Um and the the idea is, well, you know, the airlines aren't going away. Well, that's true, but they could be they could restructure 
and you as an equity holder could be left with nothing. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a possibility. Delta's done it once. Yeah, I, I remember. So anyway. um, and and the other point on the on the pharmaceutical side, um, you know, if you're m- trying to pick the company that uh, comes up with the vaccine, you know, in parentheses, the vaccine, right. um, you're hoping that you pick the right one. Yeah, but distribution and distribution making it profitable are, from a political standpoint, does it work? Are they going to be able to charge much for the vaccine? They're all backed by Gil, Bill Gates, evidently, just from <laughs> what he came out the other day and said, um, you might have to have more than one vaccine. You know, it's like when you own all the horses in the Derby. <laughs> yeah. And it's, that, he, that, he gave three hundred million dollars, but how much did he invest? Also, in the thing you, you hear about him yeah. giving the money, but is he got some investments also? Right, so. and I, I, there are actually, I think, uh, let's see. So it says there are more than a hundred vaccine candidates in development worldwide. Yeah. All right, guys, let's wrap it up there. Okay. All right. <laughs> Hey, listen, if you want to give us a call, you can reach us at 859-233-0400. Look us up on Facebook. Our website is www.debriefinancial.com. We are here. We are open. We're doing meetings. Uh, we'd love to have you come see us. if you're more And we com- wear masks. Yeah, and if, if you're more comfortable not wearing your mask and doing the meeting from home on Zoom, we're doing quite a few of those. We appreciate you listening this week. We will talk to you again next week. And stay safe, healthy, and try to be happy. Have a good week. This is not a drill. COVID. The virus. The plague. It's spreading widely. Russia hat. Steel coronavirus. Coronavirus vaccine. That's crazy. Very, very this is madness. It's an OMG moment. Be ready. More coming. The madness hasn't stopped. Your world everywhere happens here. Uncertain world. Pay attention to what's happening. News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree with Dupree Financial Group. Many people have 401k and 403b plans for their retirement investment accounts. In certain cases, our firm can help participants in these plans manage their investments. This can be helpful because those retirement plans often offer numerous different mutual funds as investment options, and unless the participant is an investment expert, it can be quite confusing. In this case, we put our investment expertise to work for you, the participant. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, Call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP or WLAP.com. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400.